Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of your MontanaSports.com podcast, the first postseason edition, although not everyone is quite there yet. Uh, Class A, B, six-man, eight-man, they are all there. Class AA wraps up its final week this weekend uh, with a couple of crosstown games and a couple of win-to-get-in and other scenario games. Richie Melby, Slim Kimmel, set for all of it. The brackets have been printed. Some of the team names have been filled in. Uh... And it's still nice outside, knock on wood right now. Right, knock on wood for that for sure. It's uh, getting awfully late in the year for it to be this nice, but uh, we will certainly take it uh, as we get ready for playoff football. I don't know about you, but I am certainly ready for this time of year to uh, see uh, to crown some champions up here in the next month or so. We've got our favorites. We've got our number ones in the MontanaSports.com polls. Uh, we've taken a look at some of the brackets to see who looks to have favorable matchups, who still maybe could be on upset alerts, whether it's in this opening round or down the road in the semifinals potentially. But let's jump into Class AA because I know that we've both been asked about what are the scenarios? What is happening here? And what is happening there? I can tell you this. Bozeman's in. Bo- we know that Bozeman's the number one seed, and I think we know that Billings Sr.'s the number five seed. We've looked at some different scenarios there, and we think the Bronx are locked into that number five seed. Um, but yeah, Bozeman locked into number one. Doesn't matter what happens this weekend for them. And the Hawks are certainly deserving of that. They've been dominant this season on, on really, um, you know, and they've beaten all the good teams in the standings. They have the win over Billings West. They have the win over Hell and high. They had the win over Cowspell Flathead. They had the win over Billings Senior. So they're not feasting on the bottom, bottom, the bottom teams in the standings. So uh, Bozeman certainly deserves until now. <laughs> this last game of the season <laughs> right. on Thursday. Right. Um, you have to play them eventually, but uh, it's, they, they bookend with Hellgate to start <laughs> and Skyview to end now that I look at the schedule here. But they do have the, the best four wins that they could Absolutely. possibly have. and um, So, yeah, the state AA championship does go through Bozeman, and uh, we were talking about this earlier today. There's a lot of talent over there, at least four division, probably five division one guys uh, on that Bozeman football team. Yeah, four of them seniors right now, uh, and we're expecting Mikado O'Reilly to be going somewhere, probably Montana State, uh, <laughs> next season after his senior year. And then that's not even talking about offensive line, defensive right. line. This is just some of your skill position guys. Uh, Billings West can clinch number two with a win against Billings Senior on Friday. That's the other thing that would be simple <laughs> if it were yeah. to happen that way. Uh, Helena High's in, Billings Senior's in. Who am I missing as Cows far Flathead as Flathead's the other one that we yep. knew that these teams were in? So we got the five teams in, and then we've got the five other teams fighting for the three spots. Uh, Glacier can make things simple with a win on Thursday. It's kind of nice. We've got a couple Thursday right. games this week, uh, Bozeman being one of them with nothing on the line other than Skyview's potential first win or Bozeman's right. potential first <laughs> yep. loss or undefeated season. Uh, but the other big one is, is Cowspell Glacier at Missoula Hellgate. Glacier wins, Glacier's in, and how about the end of the season that they had, which, you know, they got that win over Helena High, but then still dropped two straight, and we weren't sure if they were going to have a shot to get into the postseason. Then they finish with win over Great Falls, win over Capital, win over Big Sky, now win over Hellgate, and all of a sudden Grady Bennett's team is one of the hottest in terms of the last weeks of the season. Yeah, I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and I said that beyond Bozeman and Billings West, Cowspell Glacier might be the third best team in Class AA right now. They are playing that well. Like you said, they've they've got three wins in a row here. They were 
they played Bozeman as tough as anybody outside of Billings has. I mean, Billings West and Billings Senior both were right there with the Hawks, but Glacier wasn't that far back. They lost to Sentinel by one, or they lost to Sentinel in overtime. They lost to Flathead by one. They lost to Senior by one. So this is a team that could easily have three more wins, and then we're talking a whole different scenario here. But uh, to me, the Wolfpack um, will beat Missoula Hellgate on Thursday, and that doesn't clinch the number six seed, but as long as Butte or Great Falls High wins, uh, Glacier looks like it's going to be the sixth seed, which could potentially set up a Glacier-Flathead first-round matchup. Which would be a lot of fun over there. Legend Stadium, of course, on the Friday night game. Uh, Helena Capital has looked decent down mm-hmm. the stretch. They lost to Glacier. They lost to Billings West 14-10. I think you and I were at that one, and we're driving with an interception late. Uh, Capital and Sentinel biggest game of the week anywhere in here really i mean there's a lot of seating up for grabs but one of those teams loses and you are really struggling especially if you're missoula sentinel did we decide that sentinel can't get in with a loss at all uh that's i mean it all depends on what happens with butte and great falls high and glacier if glacier happens to lose i mean there's four games here that matter and they all are equally important it's just one of them is matters for two teams and the other three manage for or matter for one team but uh missoula sentinel looks like it might be the odd team out because it has lost to both butte high and great falls high if it loses to capital they would have losses to you know obviously three of the three of the five five, five yeah. te- three of the other four teams that they're tied with right now so uh yeah i think sentinel is fighting an uphill battle to get into the playoffs and you know they've they have the nice win over glacier but to me sentinel late doesn't have doesn't have the momentum that Glacier Capital and I think even Butte have. I think those are the three teams that are playing the best right now and those are the three that I expect to make the playoffs. Took Helena High to overtime last week only to lose. Went for it on fourth down yeah. inside the five, whatever it was, got stuffed there and then uh, Helena High was able to pick that one up 34-28 if I remember correctly. So Class AA football playoffs still plenty on the line this week. Uh, again, five teams with those identical records fighting for three spots, and we think we'll know a little bit more after Kalispell Glacier and Missoula Hellgate go on Thursday night. Uh, Bozeman's got that chance for the perfect 10-0 record in the regular season. They take on uh, winless Billings Skyview. It's in Billings on Thursday night, and then everything else we will be rolling on Friday, and then brackets unveiled officially over the weekend, and they'll start their postseason the following week after that. Eight teams into the playoffs, um, so less than the other classes. But I like it. I like it. You take you're taking more than half, anyways. I, I think you could probably start with semifinals if you wanted. But uh, there's potential for some first round upsets I, in Class Double A. I would love if Class Double A went to six teams, gave your top two seeds first round buys, because then these five teams at four and five would be fighting for one spot. Yeah. And I think that I, you know, how often does a number eight or a number seven seed go on the road and win in the first round? Um, you know, if I'm class double A, I wouldn't mind having that bye week to get healthy uh, for those final two games. But yeah, I mean, a 18 bracket works out well and you certainly can't fault them for that. And this is a moot conversation because it's going to change next year yeah. with uh, Belgrade being join, joining class double A. And then the year after that, getting to the second Bozeman team. So um, we're going to have a 16 team class double A uh coming up here within the next few years right down the road here uh any thoughts on class double a we think bozeman's the odds on favorite to win it we talked about the talent uh chris brown at quarterback scott simpson and lonergan on the outside and every single set of highlights we see there's at least one or two where they just throw it up and let those guys make a play uh and then the running back situation wasn't ideal 
but it still looks pretty <laughs> ideal. Yeah, Mikado O'Reilly's still doing just fine there. So what they've got Chris Brown going to the Grizz, they've got Joe Olson who's now hurt going to the Cats, Ryan Lonergan going to the Cats, <laughs> Ryan Simpson now has uh, offers from both the Cats and the Grizz. So um, yeah, a lot of talent there, and they are the clear number one team. They're not a runaway favorite like we've si- like we've seen with Billing Senior the past couple years, um, but Bozeman is certainly the best team in Class AA and the team to beat going into the playoffs. Dark horse. Before we get there, we'll talk more about it obviously next week when the brackets are unveiled. But if you had a dark horse, who do you like? I mean, is it Glacier? It's Glacier. Yeah, uh, yeah I definitely think uh, as far as road teams, um, Billing Senior would have been my dark horse um, until Garrison Postal went down with an injury. Um, I think he's a game changer on the defensive line uh, for them. So without him, I think that really hurts seniors' chances going forward. Uh, but like I said, Glacier, to me, over the last three weeks has been playing as well as anybody in Class AA, and they've proven that they can play with Senior and Bozeman and Cowspell Flathead. They beat Helena High, drubbed Helena High. So I, th- I definitely could see them winning on the road in round one and then setting up a pretty intriguing game in Bozeman in round two. Each of those Kalispell teams is... Uh Eyes of interest are on those two teams, I think, as we head into this final week of the regular season. pair of Thursday night games, everything else going on Friday. Meanwhile, we've got, uh, what is it, three Friday night games in terms of postseason coming up this week. Uh, Class A's got a couple of those. Um, remember, Class A takes 12 teams, the number one seeds and the number two from the <laughs> East. Uh, I'll get that by in the opening round. But uh, we were just talking about this with Alec, who's getting set to write some of our postseason previews on each one of these classes um the favorite billing central i think we unanimously unanimously agreed on that that billing central but and we chatted about this with people that cannot be named uh, earlier today as well those teams out west like to chuck it and billing central has struggled at times against plays like that yeah, and you know we've seen this, the secondary probably doesn't have the depth that they have on the lines, um, but this, that's kind of Billing Central's M.O. They are really good on the offensive and defensive lines. They usually have really good linebackers. They have a really good rushing attack. They have all of that this year. They have a game-changer in the secondary in Krishan Dixon, but he's only one of four guys back there, and you are going to have to beat a team that can chuck it probably like a Hamilton later on in the playoffs. I think the bracket sets up just fine for Billing Central. Um, it's weird to say that, knowing they could play Dylan yeah, uh, yeah. in the second yeah. round. But uh, I do think Billing Central, with, with that rushing attack, and November football, we're so used to this in Montana that it gets so much harder to throw the ball in November. So um, I like the teams that are built around the run. You still have to be able to throw it a little bit, which Central can do that. Um, they don't throw it a ton. But uh, I like teams that are built around the run in their defense, and which is which is Billing Central's M.O. I thought that, and then Garrett Graves threw a Hail Mary a couple <laughs> of years back that changed everything I'd ever thought about uh, postseason football. Uh, yeah, we'll see what the weather does for sure, and you're right, those teams that those Geraldine Highwood type teams, which we'll get to six man shortly, seem to have some consistent success. Uh, your playoff bracket sets up Lewistown, Sydney, that game in Lewistown, then Miles City traveling to Belgrade. Remember, all those Eastern seeds play one another out East, and then in the West, Frenchtown, Corvallis, Dylan, Whitefish, uh, Libby left out of the bracket, <laughs> and we heard some complaints about this earlier. We heard complaints about this as early as Friday night, actually yeah. going back to last week, where the tiebreaker scenario in Class A 
not favorable for everyone. So th- this is the first year that it's been like this. It, up until this year, they'd taken the top two seeds from the Northwest and the Southwest and then two wild cards. So this year, they only took the number one teams from both conferences and then four wild cards from the West, which allowed for Whitefish to still get in over Libby, despite Libby getting the head-to-head win and being the second-best team in the Northwest Conference. Um, I believe it gave Frenchtown um, a higher seed than it gave Dillon, yep. despite Dillon having a head-to-head win. I will go out on a limb and say this is the last year we have this formula <laughs> for the Class A playoffs. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a fairly big change with the Class A bracket. I think you'll still have a 12-team bracket, um, but I think you'll see um, – I think you'll probably scrap the Northwest and the Southwest. You'll just have the Western A, the Eastern A. I think they will come to their senses and have the East play the West in the first round instead of us just having the East – you know, having teams play each other that they played in the regular season, um, I feel terrible for Libby. Um, them, uh, you get that win, you're playing good football to the end of the year. You should be in the playoffs. Um, that being said, you know you knew the formula coming in, and there were games early on in the year where Libby just wasn't very good. Yeah. They started the year really bad. They were young, um, and you know they got better, which is the goal, and you should be rewarded for that. But the formula doesn't care when you won or lost, and that uh, that's the big big part of it so bummer for Libby um, and now Whitefish you know they get the unenviable task of traveling to Dillon on Friday and it hasn't been long since we ditched the Central A and just went completely Eastern A but yeah you sure thought that the Northwest and Southwest were going to follow suit because like we chatted about they're playing one another anyway maybe not as much as they're playing within their own league there but I agree let's get rid of it let's just go East let's go West just like we'll A maybe C down the road with Class A. Uh, but the only thing I can think about is making the East teams play the East and the West teams play the West in this first round is when Tom Wiley did the hit the bus or whatever <laughs> it was last year, how far did Class A travel through the first two rounds? It was something ridiculous. They do. Class A does travel a ton, but uh, to me, that's just kind of part of playoff football. It is. We haven't changed. You know, We're not making Fairview play Culbertson in eight-man. Um, so... I think it's, you know, travel are, is part of it. These are still some treks anyway, especially in the East, because you have those Central and Eastern AT. Lewistown and Sydney, I don't think that's an easy trip for anybody to have to make. What, Belgrade, Miles City's down the interstate, but that's still a jaunt I mean, to get all the way Whitefish through there. Whitefish to Dillon's and a pretty that's good where, haul. That's where I was going, is Whitefish having to travel all the way from the corner of the state up there uh, to get clear down to Dillon's, so the mileage is still there. Um, any upsets that you see in the opening round? Yeah. Miles City. I think Miles City goes on the road and beats Belgrade. Um, the Cowboys could have won that game in Belgrade. I know uh, they lost by a touchdown, I think it was. Um, but Easton Page, uh, the standout athlete at Belgrade, had two touchdowns. I think one was a 67-yarder and one was a 64-yarder, where he ran back across the field twice, I think. Uh, so, you know, you take away one of those and Miles City wins. And Miles City defensively has been so good since that game. They gave up... Um, only eight points to Lewistown, which has proven to be a pretty explosive offense. And then I think they um, pitched pitch shutouts in their other three three of their other games. So Miles City, uh, I think, is playing well. They're a team that uh, knows how to win in the postseason, which Belgrade hasn't really proven to be able to do in recent years. So, uh, yeah, I think my upset special is Miles City going on the road to beat Belgrade. Doing all of this without one of their star players lost uh, even before this season, if I remember correctly as well. Um, I think if there's somebody that, and I agree, Miles City's probably the most likely for any of these upsets. Sydney Lewistown intrigues me a little bit, but if you're Whitefish, you feel like you have something to prove because everybody says you don't belong in here. 
beating Dylan in Dylan, that's not going to be an easy task. I, I doubt that's what happens. But if there's one team that really wants to shut everybody up about we don't deserve <laughs> right. to be here, you better show up to that football game and uh, make it interesting down the stretch if you're whitefish and get a win. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... It's a tall task. I mean, when we sh- Dylan is not, the, not same the same. Dylan. Not I mean, the they, same. They did get blown out against Ham- at Hamilton last week, but Whitefish isn't Hamilton either. So I think uh, I think I've got Dylan and Frenchtown winning down there, and those those set up some pretty intriguing uh, second round matchups. But let's get to that next week. Absolutely, we'll see what happens there. Your uh, Class A postseason bracket, the updated scores and pairings at MontanaSports.com. Hover over high school. And then click on the postseason. We've got everything in there. District volleyball, state soccer still going on uh, this weekend as well. And then your football brackets, uh, the updated scores and pairings throughout. Class B football, Fairfield finally jumped up to number one. Uh, we almost made that move a week early, and then we saw the number one Big Fork fall. Missoula Loyola taking the top spot out in the west. Big Timbers, your number one seed out of the south. Fairfield up north, and then Roundup, which could set up some very intriguing we're not supposed to say tasty, uh, according to Ryder Meyer. <laughs> so some very intriguing matchups uh, in the quarterfinals moving forward into the semifinals. But what stands out to you the most about this Class B football bracket? Because I thought that there were a couple of games. I don't think any of the one seeds really that much. Um, but a couple of those two threes are at least interesting on paper. Yeah, I definitely think uh, you've got a couple threes that could win. I first look at Huntley Project at Malta and Eureka at Manhattan. Uh, Eureka has two losses, and yes, they're both lopsided, but they were to Big Fork and Missoula Loyola, two teams we think are among the best in Class B. Um, Manhattan, though, has been fairly up and down. You don't really know what, what you get. And for me, like I'm not going to be able to forget Manhattan trailing Jefferson 12-0. to and how much they shot themselves in the foot, and that they needed a fourth quarter rally to win that game. And you know, with my apologies to Jefferson and Coach Clint Lang, the Panthers just weren't that good this year. So if you're Manhattan, which I, I know is playing better since that game, um, you have to be able to consistently play, especially against a team like Eureka that has playoff experience, has won back-to-back state titles. Um, Eureka knows what it's doing in the playoffs. Uh, so that's a tall task for Manhattan in the first round. Uh, I agree those are the two biggest ones. That Townsend-Big Fork rematch, if you're Townsend, is there anything you can take away from that game? And there's probably not much in terms of play calling, but in terms of athletes. Like, this is what we need to do to shut down, you know, the Stoltz kid at the running back. This is what we have to do there. If there's anything that uh, those guys, the Bulldogs, can take away from that game against Big Fork, maybe that helps their cause. I still think Big Fork's the favorite there. And if you're Glasgow, if you're second-half Glasgow from last week, it makes it a little more intriguing right. at Colstrip because they dug a huge hole against Malta early on, then came back and were right there to to battle for the number two seed in the north. So I still think Colstrip and Big Fork are your favorites to win those two games, but it depends on, A, which Glasgow team you get. If you get third and fourth quarter, Scotty's could be interesting, and then Townsend just try and take something away from what happened there. Uh, we think the number one seeds, Big Timber and Florence, uh, the one south and the four out of the west. Missoula Loyola gets three forks. We think Loyola is, is going to be able to roll there. Fairfield over Red Lodge, and then uh, Roundup and Cutbank rounding things out for the which four seed has any kind of a chance? Uh, probably Florence. Uh, Florence has played a couple teams tough. Um, they've also been played tough. I haven't got a real good read on them. Basically, what we need to learn is how good is the West. Yeah. Um, we just don't know that because you know Fairfield thumped Loyola earlier this season. Um, 
but Fairfield beyond Fairfield in the north, I don't have a ton of confidence in any of those teams. Um, I think the east is probably the strongest, most competitive between Roundup, Colstrip, and Huntley Project. I think um, the east has as good of three teams as anybody. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't see any of the four seeds really posing much of a threat to the ones. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning. You mentioned that um, Townsend and Big Fork is a rematch from earlier this year. Glasgow and Colstrip did play earlier this yep. year too. Now, granted, it was way back in August, so a lot has changed since then. But Colstrip won forty to six. So I think Colstrip is a team that um, we've probably been sleeping on a little bit since that loss to Roundup. But Colstrip has a win over Big Timber. They've beaten, you know, they beat Huntley Project. They beat Glasgow. They've beat a number of playoff teams. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Colstrip's in the semifinals. Yeah, and they certainly could be. They would take on the winner of that Big Timber Florence game in order to get there uh, and home field advantage on that top half of the bracket, although Class B is set up pretty <laughs> weird in terms right. of who gets to host when you get to the championship, but they would at least host a semifinal if they are in that semifinal. So Class B bracket as well. Uh, is posted at montanasports.com, or the pairings, rather. Scores and pairings will be updated all the way throughout. And uh, all of those were Saturday, correct? I don't think we had any those Friday games Those are all Saturday so. 1 p.m. games in Class B. I don't know why teams play on Friday night all regular season, and then once the playoffs start, like, nope. We're playing on Saturday now. I feel like it's been like five or six years. I dug into that a little bit, and I honestly don't remember the answer that some of those teams were giving me. But you're right. You play, what is that one extra day doing? Because Friday is just your walkthrough day anyway, so I don't know what difference it would make is doing that Thursday. Um, I don't know. I like the end of the lights. It's not that cold out at this point in right. time, and some of them are playing under the lights anyway. So okay. Class AA does it all the way through, no matter what the weather right. is. So and uh, Bridger does it all the way through. Oh yeah, you know, like Bridger yeah. last year up until the championship yep. played on played on Friday night. So um, it's not against the rules. It's just nobody does it. Yeah, and I wish they would. We see the occasion. We got a couple of the Class A games. We do see it from time to time, but. Uh, Man, it would lighten our load on Saturdays right. with Cats and Grizz and Frontier and then all these playoff games. So for all you ADs listening out there, we will we encourage you to schedule some of these games on Fridays. We we will, uh, you know, we're not going to foot the bill or anything, but uh, definitely play them on Fridays. Get, get some more media coverage out there. Give the kids the coverage they deserve. And, uh, yeah, do these on Fridays. I like it. Friday, 7 o'clock games. You can even <laughs> play at 6. Uh, and we could warm our hands up a little bit sooner on. Uh, Eight-man football. Drummond Phillipsburg's the defending champs. They're your favorites coming in. The number one in the MontanaSports.com polls. Joliet wrapped up a one seed. Fairview, the one in the east. And Shelby is your other top-ranked team. Any of those on upset alerts um, this weekend? I don't think so. Um, the only one that I, I would probably look at is Joliet, uh, just because I don't know how good the South was, and I think the East, uh, the top of the East, was pretty good this year. Um, but I, I think the one seeds again are safe. Um, it was not that long ago, a few years ago, I wrote a column when I was still at the Gazette, and I basically said we need to get rid of the four seeds, give the number one teams buys, and then I because the four seeds never win. And then, you know, immediately after I wrote that column, one of the four seeds went on to win. Um, I think it might have been Belt over Phillipsburg or somebody. Um, but anyway, the fours rarely win. Usually they're 40-point games. Uh, I think it'll probably be more of the same this year. Scobie's interesting. Chinook being the five out of the north. They're not even a four, uh, replacing the four seed from the south, going to Fairview, which we've said is without Carson Sykes. I still think Fairview's fine, but, you know, 
let's see how this works by taking right. five out of the north instead of four out of the south there. Um, Great Falls Central plays host to Alberton. That game at Memorial Stadium in Great Falls. Centerville travels to our Lee Circle at Hobson Moore, Judith Gap uh, in Hobson, if I remember correctly, yep. according to the bracket, and then Ennis at Colbertson. Which game of these is the best in your opinion? We might as well say which ones we like the most. Um, Great Falls Central Alberton, if Alec Boffinger has any. You know, he, he talked about Alberton all season. I want to see if they can stack up this early on. Uh, and remember, Charlotte had to bow out. They forfeited their entire I mean, season, this postseason here. So. That, that, to me, is one of the bigger stories in the eight-man playoffs, is that a team that was a legitimate championship contender is not in the postseason after um, Charlotte had some suspensions, some injuries. They forfeited uh, their final two games of the regular season and then uh, made the call to forfeit their spot in the playoffs um, they would have been the number two seed out of the west if not for that and um, you know in my opinion they would have been a team that uh, could have been challenging for a state championship or you know a berth into the semis at least uh, but without them that changes the entire outlook because now our Lee, which should have been a three seed to two and they get to host Alberton Superior would have been a really difficult number four seed and now they're a difficult number three seed for Great Falls Central so um, yeah that that changes up you know, I think that changes the bracket because of um, now you have Darby in, which Shelby's probably not going to have a ton of issues there. Um, but yeah, those Great Falls Central, Alberton, Alberton Superior, that game, and the Arlie Centerville game, those are both uh, different games than we would have thought coming in. And I think both of those are really good matchups. Yeah, Charlotte looked like a semifinal team, play, put a, putting them there in the bracket and taking on maybe it's the banged up Fairview team or, or if Chinook were to get past them. Sure looked like they were at least going to the semifinals and maybe giving the top half uh, a good run for their money, whether it be, you know, the favorites would be Joliet, Great Falls Central there. But I agree, if you're Great Falls Central and you've listened to Alec Boffinger at all this season, he's been talking about this <laughs> Clark Fork team being somebody that was going to give someone fits in the playoffs. Well, here they are in the and first round. I, be I believe Great Falls Central and Alberton Superior were both at that eight-man yep. showcase yep. in Butte to start the season. So they've seen each other. I don't. They didn't play each other, but they, they have seen each other in person, and they uh, know what each other looks like. They know the size. They know the speed, all those things that you don't really get on film. Uh, so it, it, it should be a really fun game. Uh, Alberton Superior can score a ton. Uh, We've seen them what, get 94, oh, yeah. 96, something like that. Uh, so that team is very explosive, has a ton of offense, uh, and they, yeah, that's definitely your best first round game. And Great Falls Central banged up a little bit a couple weeks back when they were taking on Shelby for the number one seed in the North anyway. Uh, haven't heard, so we'll see if they're at full strength when they go on Saturday afternoon at Memorial Stadium. Kind of fun they get to play in the yeah. big stadium there uh, as well, so hopefully the crowd will, will travel with that one. And you know, one of the other things worth mentioning is look who's a three seed and going on the road again out of the east over there in the eight-man <laughs> east. It circles back to a road warrior type team taking on a Hobson Moore Judith Gap team that uh, was in the running with Joliet until they lost to Joliet uh, earlier in the season. So circles got a chance to make another they run all the way through. Didn't like they did circle win at Hobson Moore Judith Gap? I was last thinking year it was the too, exact so, same matchup. Um, that might have been a second round matchup. I don't think it was but, the first round. I do um, think it was the second yeah, round. Yeah, so because yeah, Hobson Moore Gap last year was a was the South champion, yep. so that would have been a, a quarterfinal game. So yeah, circle the Road Warriors going back on the road and. Oh, by the way, your Class B runner-up is in this bracket, too, in case you haven't heard. Yeah, I guess Shelby's. That's where I'm going to be, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. Why are you guys playing eight-man football and, uh, you know, try and see if we can tick off a few people along the way. But there is another fun story up there in Shelby um, that we'll chat about one of the athletes uh, related to one of our other great athletes in the state of Montana. So we'll chat about that. The other intriguing 
Ennis going on the road to Culbertson, where we talked about some of those Eastern teams. Is don't sleep on Ennis. Just don't ever <laughs> right. sleep on them. Uh, you know, it was definitely not the year that we've seen with some of the athletes graduating. But uh, you know, they battle all the way back, and we thought they might sneak in as a four seed, and here they are, a, a spot ahead of that because the four seed wasn't getting into the playoffs. So, and I'm trying to remember who was it. It was Ennis and Twin Bridges, Twin that yep. were playing for Ennis, the right to yep. get in. Yep. Ennis won at Twin to get into the playoffs, and uh, you know, usually you talk about these long bus rides and not enjoying those. I bet Coach Chris Hess <laughs> isn't too disappointed to be hitting the road to go in Colbertson. He's new to fatherhood, so he's probably going to get some sleep on that bus ride. It's crazy what uh, <laughs> the long road trips can do for you. The hotel trips that some of us have as well. Eight-man football, playoff pairings, and scores updated all the way throughout MontanaSports.com. Uh, Class C six-man, that's where Geraldine Highwood and Weebo appear to be perhaps on another collision course from a week one matchup that we saw, 40-38. to 38. Is that what it was way back so, when? It was yeah. a two-point game out in Weebo. Uh, Hot Springs, the one seed out of the West. Surprise, surprise, they're back all of a sudden uh, after having to play that JV slash forfeiting some of those games last year. Um, Geraldine Highwood, the one seed out of the North. Weebo out East. And then how about Grass Range win it? Getting past uh, Roy Winifred last week in that conference championship game. So GR Dub is the one out of the South. They take on Westby Granora. Yeah, that's... Um, that's interesting right away. That's a really, really intriguing first round one versus four matchup. You don't usually see something like that. Uh, of note, Grass Range win it has more wins than any other team in the state this yep. year. They're yep. 10 and 0, the first team to 10 wins based on a couple forfeits while also playing games those weekends. So, uh, Grass Range win it at 10 and 0, first conference championship in co-op history. Uh, something I am very familiar with since I played there and we won like five games my entire career <laughs> uh so cast range win it uh your reward you get the defending champion westby granora one of the best programs in six-man football it's a journey it's not quite the same team but we've still seen that remember when they were at big sandy and they rallied back in a quick hurry uh and they seem to be at more full strength than we saw at the midpoint of the season as well so that's just a brutal first round game against a four seed there um but on, I think on grass the record, range, I still think Grass Range win yeah, wins. Yeah, Grass uh, Range win it is still going to be favored. And you've mentioned some of the athletes before that we saw last year getting more experience coming into this year. They just still seem like they have too much power, I think, for, for even the defending champs to take down. Yeah, I, I think this might be that quote-unquote rebuilding year that Mondak has once every four years when they get a new quarterback. Um, if you remember right, they went from Cooper Olson to Jeremiah Payne. Jeremiah Payne's sophomore year, they came into the playoffs as a four seed. Took a year. Um, Payne then led them for two years, and they went to two state titles. They won one, and now he's gone. They have Darian Holacek. They come in as a four seed. <laughs> yep. Does that mean they're going to two state titles in yep. the next coming years? Probably. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, so this might just be that rebuilding year for Mondak. Um, but, yeah, I think Grass Range, when it does win this game. The other one of intrigue, uh, Hot Springs. The West was beating up on each other out there, and we kind of thought that Hot Springs was going to and eventually did clinch that one seed. But Matt Newman and DGS traveling out there, we've seen glimpses of DGS at times where they looked pretty good. They looked better than a four seed out of the North. Uh, but Big Sandy and Geraldine Highwood and, um, who was our three? Sunburst, right? Yeah, Sunburst yep. down there, you know, getting ahead of them, but which DGS team do we get? 
So DGS, they they feasted on the bottom teams in the six, in the six man north for a while. Um, their only loss for what five or six weeks was to Grass Range win it. Yep. Uh, and then they had the non conference game against White Sulphur Springs at White Sulphur Springs, and they won pretty handily. Um, if you go to the common opponent, Hot Springs lost to White Sulphur Springs. Uh, so this one is another one of those one versus four matchups that might be a little more a little closer than we're used to seeing out of the one fours uh, in the six man bracket. Um, again, I do think Hot Springs wins this game, uh, but uh, yeah, like you said, it's it's one of those ones where DGS, if the good DGS shows up, they could certainly challenge here. Um, and I, if I remember right, uh, Valier last year barely won in the first round. Was that against Jordan? Jordan, Jordan um, had him. So we have seen the fours have a little bit more success lately in the six man, at least being close and competitive. Uh, I think we could see that again this year. And it's. Obviously, it's six-man, but it, what worked for Jordan last year was just the quick response of moving downfield and scoring. And, yeah, I went from Shelby to Valier, or maybe it was Valier to Shelby, I guess it was, and started in Valier thinking, eh, this is a 1-4. It's probably going to be a blowout, so I better finish at Big Fork at Shelby. And, yeah, both of those games went right down I to mean, the wire. Right. You didn't make the wrong decision. You want, got, what, a last-second field goal yeah. uh, in the Big Fork-Shelby game. So, uh, yeah, it's just... We're not used to seeing the four seeds be as competitive as they are, and I think we're starting to see that, especially in uh, the North and the East. Those two conferences seem to really be building on each other. Uh, you know, we're used to the North having Geraldine Highwood, um, Big Sandy's back. You know, the North DGS was there for a while and then left and came back. Um, so you're used to seeing the North kind of that iron sharpening iron thing, um, and now you're seeing it in the East too, with teams chasing Westby Granora, Weibo adding in, Richie Lambert shifting its offense to be more explosive, uh, Jordan kind of the forgotten team that nobody really talks about over there in the East, um, comes in as a three seed, and they have a very winnable game against Roy Winifred. Uh, so it's, yeah, the, the East and the and the North, I think, have that depth um, with their three and four seeds where they can give those other teams some chance, some troubles in the first round. I was going to bring up Jordan Roy Winifred. The other one that's, you mentioned White Sulphur Springs and, you know, able to beat Hots. Them and Big Sandy, just going to be curious to see the style difference of Big Sandy, which we saw play pretty well up there. Uh, is it the Prue brothers? Yep. Um, you know, have been have been pretty good uh, so far this season. But that's one of those things where you want to see the style of this league go against the style of that league. And uh, I don't know. I think that's another one that could be of interest where if White Sulphur Springs plays like they did at their best, Big Sandy would have to find a way to score late and win. It could be like that Valier-Jordan game last year where the favorite – has to score, get a stop, and score yeah. a second time. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, you could definitely see White Sulphur make that one into a game. I think the North wins three games in the first round, though. I think um, Big Sandy wins, Geraldine Highwood, obviously, and I think Sunburst goes on the road and beats West Yellowstone. Yeah, I would think that that would be uh, pretty accurate. Three out of the North, probably, I don't know, three out of the East, or is it just going to be two out of the East? Uh, is it going to be one out of the East? Uh, I think... Because um, Bridger, Richie Lambert. Richie Lambert could score in a hurry, but Bridger's got some pedigree there. And Bridger is, I mean, that game could be 96 to 92. <laughs> I mean, those two teams do score a ton. Um, I think uh, I think you split the South and the East. I think uh, Grass Range win it and Roy Winifred do both win. Um, Weebo's the only team I think rolls in in those South versus East matchups. I think the other ones could be down to the wire. Oh, Class C six player football. Those uh, pairings will be updated as well. MontanaSports.com. Once again, if you have the app, it's pretty simple. We're looking at it on the iPad here. Just high school postseason. And then we've got everything that you could want in there. State AA soccer fires up on Thursday. State A 
is all the way to the championships on Saturday. Uh, district volleyball is now started as of Wednesday. Everybody else gets rolling Thursday and or Friday. Uh, and then, obviously, postseason football gets started as well on Friday night with a couple of games, three games, and everybody else going on Saturday. And like you said, all that postseason information is available on the postseason tab, available both on desktop and on the app, montanasports.com. One word on both Android and iOS devices to download the app. Take it with you. If you're heading to a Cancer Grizz game, the Big Sky Conference game, you can <coughs> take it as well. Bless you there. Montana State on the road, uh, taking on Idaho State this weekend. The Grizz get the tall task of number six, UC Davis. Uh, Bobby Hout could drop three straight games, which has never happened, right, in his tenure as a Montana Grizzly head football coach? I wouldn't imagine so. Uh, I remember the back-to-back conference losses. Yeah. That's the first time that happened. So, um, and that that's a big challenge. UC Davis playing uh, is arguably the best team in the Big Sky Conference. I think they're in first right now. Um, yeah, only so undefeated team only, left. Only undefeated team league. remaining because Weber State beat Eastern Washington. Um, so... Yeah, that's a big challenge for Montana. But did, did something happen in Bozeman this week? Was there news out of Montana State? Four, five, six, by the way, the Big Sky Conference is ranked with Weber, Eastern, and UC Davis. And, yeah, apparently uh, we've got new signal callers in Montana <laughs> State this week. Um, it's not very often, unless a team is doing extremely poorly and ditches out on its head coach and entire coaching staff, that you see some kind of a coaching change with a coordinator especially the play-calling coordinator in the middle of the season, but they really shifted things around on Monday. The the part that is so bizarre to me is that they relieved Brian Armstrong of his offensive coordinator duties, but they did not remove him from the staff. Like, How is that going to play out in that offensive room where he was the boss, Brian Armstrong was the offensive coordinator, and he was the boss of um, all those other guys. And now one of his students or pupils, one of his underlings, uh, Matt Miller is taking over. So they're changing seats in that room. Usually when an offensive coordinator is removed, he's gone. He's no longer with the program. Um, Bob Cole, uh, the quarterback's coach, is the one who left Montana State. So it's I'm really interested. Obviously, we're not going to be in those rooms. We're not going to hear what happens in those rooms. But we'll be able to see it on the sideline and in the games, how that relationship between Matt Miller and Brian Armstrong is. You and I chatted when we got the email from Montana State on Monday. Uh if you're going to make this change, and if Matt Miller is going to be in charge of the offense, more or less, under head coach Jeff Choate, Coach Choate is going to need to listen to Matt Miller saying, we need this guy to play quarterback. We need, if, if Matt Miller isn't comfortable with Troy Anderson at quarterback, then why are we making this change? And, and we don't know if he, he is He might be. Yeah, we, I don't we, know. We don't know that. Um, your, your hope is Miller is super young. He's only in his, what, third third full season. I mean, he was a, an assistant, a uh, student assistant at Boise State. But this is his, as a full-time gig, this is only his third third season. So he's been doing this for two and a half seasons. Um, so he's a young guy. Uh, you're hoping, um, at least if you're on the outside looking in, you're hoping that he's not just a figurehead and somebody that they're setting up to maybe ultimately take the fall here. Like, oh, he couldn't turn it around either. We just don't have the right guys. You hope that when he is elevated to this role that it comes with everything that comes with it and that he does have that authority and can make those decisions. Choate said that Troy Anderson is still going to be the starter. So um, you hope that Matt Miller's on board with that and that he can design an offense, call plays that um, are built around Anderson's strengths but also open up the offense and make them a little more multidimensional because as we've seen, anytime they play a good team, this offense does not work. 
seven first downs. Is that what it was against Weber State? Was it that? It was, less, it was less than ten, obviously. It was it was single digit first downs. That's against the number one defense in the league and one of the top, what are they, five or six or whatever it is in the entire country. But still, those are the teams that you're going to have to beat if you want to be competing for a top five or six spot in the entire country. Um, we don't break down these plays. We don't look at, oh, this is what they ran in terms of X's and O's and stuff. But I don't know how much different it's going to be in terms of the actual plays they're running. The order of the plays and the plays that he calls will obviously be a little different. It should be up to him at this point. But I agree. If a change needs to be made with uh, this guy needs to be here and this guy needs to be there, then if he's your offensive coordinator, you better let him have the floor and do whatever it is that he thinks needs to be done necessary. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But why else would we make the change? Yeah, I'm. we're in agreement. And to be clear, we both like Troy Anderson. He's a phenomenal player, one of the best in the Big Sky Conference, probably an NFL-caliber player at linebacker. He is not proving to be a, even a Big Sky-level quarterback. Um, and that's Montana State, it doesn't matter who, you know, Coach Choate said that, um, you make this move because you think the issues are with the the voice in the quarterback room, Bob Cole. You think those were your issues. You're comfortable with Troy Anderson at quarterback, and you know maybe it will work out, and maybe he'll get a little bit better in the passing game, and they'll they'll be fine. But um, yeah, this Troy Anderson, uh, Matt Miller, those two have to be very familiar with each other, and Matt Miller has to have uh, full control over this offense. I was trying to bring up some of the quarterback stats here really quick. Troy Anderson, 51 completions on 97 attempts, five interceptions. Um, is this accurate? How many games have we played here? This is through seven games. One touchdown pass? To be fair, that 52.6 completion percentage is as good or better than Chris Murray. This is also true. <laughs> uh, now, the rushing is what you look at because what they've done, whether it's been designed, which if you're putting a percentage on it, three-quarters of the plays have been designed runs for Troy Anderson, somewhere in that high range. The other 25% or whatever, fill in the blank here, have been him looking quick and then seeing an opening and going. And some of those have worked really well. The difference is, and to be fair, we've got, what, 99 attempts, 820 yards, under 810 uh, touchdowns with a long of 71. So he's averaging just over 110 yards per game. The thing, if you're a defensive coordinator on the opposite side, and we talked about this, is can he bust one for 50-plus yards a game and maybe get that touchdown? And if you're okay with that, if you're okay with taking your chances, you're just fine going against a Troy well, Anderson quarterback. Weber State, you know, he busts the one was in the second quarter, yep. and then the offense did nothing yep. in the second half. Zero points, nothing. They didn't do anything. And they play Idaho State, which is a really good explosive offense. Defensively, they're not on the same level as Weber State, obviously. But offensively, Idaho State is going to score a ton of points. I don't care if you have the best defense in the league, which the Cats do not, but they have a solid, good defense. Um, they will probably slow down Idaho State, but Idaho State's still going to score four or more touchdowns. Can the Bobcats do that with Troy Anderson and this offense where they don't have a passing element? We'll find out. We'll see what the difference is. Uh, Bobcats at Idaho State this weekend. Nick Petricioni traveling with MontanaSports.com down there, bringing you the coverage, uh, the preview on Friday. We'll have the rapid reaction on Saturday afternoon, the full game highlights. Uh, I think it's a later game, right? So we'll probably not get PM. Yeah, we yeah. won't get that full game in until 10 o'clock, but MontanaSports.com will have those. And, of course, the thing that everybody's going to be keeping an eye on and you'll hear us ranting or raving about next week is the difference that the offense makes, should it make any, with new offensive coordinator Matt Miller in there. Um, 
Grizz, UC Davis. By the way, Cats and Grizz both have to win every single game, which is impossible for both because they'll play each other on November 17th. But if they want any chance at the playoffs, you can't lose another game the rest of the right. season. They're both 4-3 and three yeah. now. So, yeah, you have to... Two um, league losses each. Is that where we're uh, at? That is, yep, that's where we're at. So, uh, yeah, one more loss probably seals your playoff fate. Um, heck, their playoff fate might already be it sealed. Might, Who, neither one of them's um, in any projections right now that I've seen. Because neither one has good wins um they they have both i mean like we've talked before the grizz best win is northern iowa and i haven't looked uh recently to see they just where the beat northern sdsu iowa. knocked Did, off number so, two in the so nation northern iowa so finally that has helps a good your win. chance yeah. um but northern iowa up and you know through five weeks was sub 500 this season so um that's the grizz best win and Western cats, Illinois. And the Cats' best win is Western Illinois. Uh, you need to pad Whose best those win resumes. is maybe the Grizz? <laughs> <laughs> right. You need, to, you need to pad those resumes. Um, you know, they're probably not thinking playoffs. The Cats have enough going on, obviously, with the coaching changes and going into a tough place to play with a team that's rolling pretty well, uh, especially offensively. And then the Grizz, of course, have a huge challenge with UC Davis this weekend. And UC Davis, another offensively-powered team. Uh it was close when you looked at the stats. I saw the Grizz Twitter posted it earlier today. I think UC Davis was a couple hundred yards ahead in rushing, passing, which puts them three or four hundred yards ahead total compared to what the Grizz have done. But the biggest question mark there is which offense are you getting from the Grizz? Are you getting the one that looked really good in the first game of the season against uh, UNI, or are you getting the, even Portland State, or especially out at North Dakota? Because neither one of those offenses – that that offense isn't going to do it against anybody the rest of the season, let alone UC Davis. What, eight turnovers in their past oh. two games. So uh, the fumble, Grizz fumble, have, fumble. It's not to... even snowy outside yet. <laughs> Might be Saturday. Never know. Uh, anyway, yes, the Grizz offense has to play better. Uh, the bright spot for them, of course, is Dante Olson, as it has been all season. Uh, he'll have his hands full, as will that Grizz defense. But, um, yeah, the focus for both MSU and UM is going to be the offense, um, and that's really what it's going to come down to for both teams as we go forward. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on that. Big Sky Conference scoreboard will be updated on Saturday afternoon throughout at montanasports.com. Uh, speaking of offense, as we drop down, to the Frontier Conference, we'll talk about the game in a week, but uh, it's a game that has no implications on postseason. But Carroll College will be without Major Ali uh, when they take on MSU Northern on Saturday in Helena. Um, violation of athletic department policy. What do you think that means? I, I could uh, could be anything. <laughs> athletic department <laughs> policy is probably the size of a handbook right. when you're going and reading some of that. But Major Ali, the team's leading rusher, uh, one of the better running backs in the conference, and if I remember correctly, carved up MSU Northern earlier this season when the Saints won up there. So Light's still trying to get Coach Andrew Roll in his first conference victory since taking over up there on the high line. That's a 1 o'clock kickoff. Uh, but the big game is the game that probably has your postseason implications, and especially if you want a home playoff game, Montana Western traveling to Rocky Mountain College, Battle and Bears got their revenge against Carroll last week. Can they get it against the Bulldogs this week? Best game in Montana, right, this weekend, regardless of I level? I think so. Um, maybe you could argue for the Grizz-UC Davis. Of course, the Grizz aren't on the same level as UC Davis, but uh, Wild Grizz is a tough place to play for anybody. Uh, back to the task at hand. Montana Western and Rocky Mountain College. Uh, we knew one of these teams was going to be here. Um, we did not expect Western to be here. Um, their fourth quarters are just mind blowing. What it's like, one hundred and six to seven at this point, or night. And it, credit to both sides there, because obviously your offense, your defense has to get these stops, but then your offense is clearly in a hole and having to dig back. I don't know. That's unheard I, of. It's 
it's it's mind blowing. I mean, I cannot wrap my head around that statistic. Um, they are just crushing teams in the fourth quarter. Now, granted, they've always needed to. Um, so, the, and I don't think. Um, I know they beat Rocky the first time they played, but I do not think Western can go in there and dig a hole against Rocky and expect to use that fourth quarter magic to get another win. They fell behind 13-0 at Haver at Montana State Northern last weekend. If you do that in Billings this weekend, you're not digging out of that hole. If you fall down 13-0 to Rocky on Saturday, you're losing like 42-20. to I think, um, and I do think Rocky wins this game. I think Rocky is going to win out and get a home playoff game. Uh, so I think what they're doing, uh, their defense is really good, obviously. Um, Jacob Bakken and that offense are humming right now. They scored, what was it, 35 unanswered against Carroll College. Yep. Uh, I guess a pretty good Carroll defense. It's a good defense. It is a good um, defense. The top-ranked defense in the league, and uh, I believe they scored uh, 28 unanswered in the first half alone last week. So uh, Rocky offensively is playing at a at a really high level, and then um, that defense, we know all about them. They are really good on that side of the ball, and uh, honestly, I'm surprised they lost to Western the first time, uh, and I think they get their revenge this time. It was that game that put Western really on the map, right? That was the first one. Then they beat Tech, whether it was that next week or two weeks later. It was that win against Rocky that really put them on the map, and uh, suddenly they were ranked in the top 25, and they were fighting for a conference championship. Uh, I agree, you, you certainly can't get in a hole. Rocky's defense at home has looked pretty dang good, and like you mentioned about the offense, um, I agree. I think Rocky's going to win this game. Rocky really needed to. Ever since that forfeit, Rocky's backs were up against the wall, uh, and then they lose that game to Western, and we're going, wait a minute. You don't have you don't have time to be messing around with any more of these losses. Uh, they've looked much better since. I think Rocky wins that game. And the other team that's suddenly in the conference championship and playoff mix is not Southern Oregon, but Eastern Oregon, because <laughs> Southern's dropped three consecutive yeah. games. Yeah, Southern Oregon weren't they number two? They were ranked number two in the country at one point. They were the number they were picked to win the Frontier Conference, and they've now lost three in a row. They have no playoff hopes. Their season, they might as well pack it up and go home. <laughs> <laughs> this was a game five weeks ago. Remember, I said, we'll be looking at Southern Oregon at Montana Tech for a potential conference championship, or at least the winner of this going to the playoffs, uh, which with, I thought, Rocky Mountain College, which could still be there. But, um, man, Tech and Southern yeah, are not in the spot that we thought they were going to be coming into this one. And you know, a part of that is because College of Idaho was the best 0-5 team in the country, and they have now won three in a row. They're not making the playoffs either, but they are going to keep beating teams. They what they host Eastern Oregon. Yeah. So if they win that one, they're going to be like, hey, you're not in the playoffs. Exactly. Either. That's what they're doing right now is just saying, ah, you thought you were going to the playoffs. Just kidding. You're not. I so I was at the College of Idaho Montana Tech game. College of Idaho is really good. Like they were the best 0-5 team in the country. Um, one of those losses was to a Big Sky team, so they lost. They were 0-4 to start the year. Um, they lost to Rocky. They lost to Southern Oregon. Um, they just had a brutal schedule to start things. And College of Idaho now um, is playing spoiler, and they're doing it for everybody. They've already got Tech. They've already got Southern Oregon. Um, I don't remember who their first win was. Um, must I think have been Carol. No, I think it was, was Carol. Carol. It was Carol. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so if they get Eastern Oregon here, that'll be uh, another one that they're spoiling uh, playoff hopes for. And um, 
side note, College of Idaho has a familiar face on, on the sidelines. Uh, John Choate, Jeff Choate's younger brother, uh, coaches the linebackers and special teams for College of Idaho. So um, I was able to catch up with him and Butte. Uh, so we have a fun story with the Choate brothers on montanasports.com as well. So be sure to check that one out. John and Jeff talking about the sibling rivalry and kind of their relationship a little bit. So that's kind of a fun one too. College of Idaho lost one too many games early in the season, I think. Take the Portland State game out of it. You said 0-4. If they go 0-3 there instead and then win out, uh, I know records are a lot of what everybody looks at and stuff, but they would be one of the hottest teams in the entire country. If they get past Eastern Oregon right now even, you know, when that puts them at, what, 500 overall or wherever they're at in the standings, I guess I could look. That would take I them to 4-5 right overall. 4-4. Four and, four and, four and four in the league. In the league, yep. I like their chances of winning a playoff game better than I like maybe the loser of Rocky and Western if you're looking at that. It's not going to happen. I'm just saying, when they do select these, the committee, I think, probably should look at, oh, man, yeah, that team dropped two straight games to start the season and then won six straight or whatever it might be. So, uh, like you said, best 0-5 team in the country. I think we maybe joked about it early on, and now that we've seen what they've done the last three weeks and potentially four weeks, uh, they could certainly play spoiler to Eastern Oregon's postseason hopes. Um, Montana Western right now, the only one-loss team in the league. Six and one in conference. Rocky and Eastern Oregon, both five and two. And Southern Oregon is in there at four and three. So we assume that the loser of this Western Rocky game could be out or at least out of the home playoff race. So let's let's say that let's say College of Idaho runs the table. <laughs> and they they're not making the playoffs. Two weeks, three um, week, three weeks left? Must be three weeks yeah. left. They're not making the playoffs, but that's gonna take Eastern Oregon out. That's Southern Oregon's already out. So let's say College of Idaho somehow climbs to third or fourth in the league standings. Do Western and Rocky both get in the playoffs in that scenario? Do either one of them play College of Idaho again down the stretch here? I'd have know, to I look guess, at that on the schedule because if, if College of Idaho is running the table and beats one of those teams after one of them loses, uh, I certainly wouldn't think so. That would put, if College of Idaho has three games left, you're checking the schedule right now. If they were to go 6-4 and four after winning six straight, I like that team going into the playoffs. Uh, you know, haven't been there since they restarted the football program in whatever it's been, three, four years. Co- College of Idaho's at Western next week, so that could be a big one. Uh, Rocky and Eastern Oregon next week, uh, and then, uh, let's see, College of Idaho closes with Northern. So um, Western, based, based on me thinking that College of Idaho is really good, uh, Western cannot afford to lose to Rocky. No. Nope. Because I think they're going to lose to College of Idaho, which they're probably not, but... Uh, I'm a card-carrying member. I'm a big fan of College of Idaho. The Yotes, they're my team. They're my frontier team. I'm, I'm, I think they're going to win out. I think that there's <laughs> going to be a serious discussion at whatever the panel is, people sitting around going, man, College of Idaho's 6-4, and four, huh? But, yeah, but they won six straight to end the year. You're going to tell me that that team deserves to get in over whichever one of these teams ends up with three losses ahead of them? I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But <laughs> Was this like uh, when we said Hellgate was going to the playoffs uh, in I, Class AA? To be fair, as I am not saying the College of Idaho is going to make the playoffs. I'm just wondering if they do enough damage where only one Frontier Conference it, it team makes the playoffs. It could certainly happen. If, if Rocky beats Western and then Western loses to College of Idaho, I think Western's done at that point. If Western beats Rocky and then loses to College of Idaho, and then you've got Western sitting in there with just the two losses, they're probably the only ones that are getting in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless yeah, I mean that's assuming College of Idaho runs the table. Yeah, which they is, have to beat Eastern Oregon, which is a which is kind of a preposterous 
But that's what we do on this right. podcast is we get the preposterous. We get those outlandish predictions in there. Hey, um, so far, we haven't had to stop recording and start over again because no. one of us got too riled up. We so. haven't got the rants so going too we're, crazy. We're doing all right. But uh, uh, to, anyway, we both think Rocky wins this game. <laughs> um, I think Rocky beats Eastern Oregon. I think Rocky wins the league and gets um, the league's best playoff spot. Um, and I think they're the only Frontier Conference team because I do think that Western loses to Rocky and College of Idaho to end the season and then misses out on the playoffs. And if College of Idaho beats Eastern Oregon this week, because the other scenario would be Rocky and Eastern get in, but if College of Idaho takes care of that this week, then you probably are looking at only one team, and we could see somebody like Dickinson State traveling yep. into Billings in that opening round of the NAIA postseason in November. Um, Dickinson State the cream of the crop in their league, kind of like we saw Carroll yeah. do for so long here in the Frontier Conference. Um, so we would expect them to be able to wrap that up. But uh, Frontier Conference, Montana Western at Rocky Mountain College. The winner quite possibly could be your Frontier Conference champion, depending on how things shake out in the final three weeks of the season. But uh, our College of Idaho Yotes could be right in there to try and mess <laughs> well, things up for everybody else. I mean, why wouldn't you like College of Idaho? They've got John Choate, and he's a very fiery, likable guy. They've got Mike Morosky as their coach who had eight years in the NFL. Yep. How many other Frontier teams can, can say that? So, And they're a new program. They're building things. They're going to win the league next year. <laughs> I mean, you, you heard it here. <laughs> the Frontier Conference champions 2019 have trended upwards. And just like last year, College of Idaho was beating te- it was Tech last year, wasn't it? That they beat, they blasted Montana Tech in Caldwell. They're just doing it again. They're they're starting slow and then winning games that you're not expecting them to win, and it's really messing up the rest of the postseason. Because was it last year? Tech had to go on the road in the playoffs. Minus Quinn McQuarrie, if I remember correctly, got hurt. Uh, but still, they're taking away home games in the playoffs. Well, and they they have just been. I mean, this year they were such a victim of their schedule. Um, they, they, they were super young to start the season, and <clears throat> they, needed to, um, they needed to ease in a little more than they did because we've seen once, once they got like, some games under their belts, they've become a really good team. Early on, they were still working in some young guys. They were really young, and the schedule just did them no favors early on. So um, next year, um, they're going to be a little more experienced, and they're going to win those games early on, and then they're going to go undefeated. <laughs> And win the national championship. So. Bringing it back home to the frontier for the first time since... When in Southern Oregon? <laughs> it wasn't that long yeah, ago. Two, three years, whatever uh, it's been. This podcast kind of went off the rails. <laughs> frontier <laughs> Conference football schedule. The scoreboard page is at montanasports.com. Uh, we will update the standings, which we'll see College of Idaho win its next three to round out the year. Um, and then we'll see what happens with the other teams getting in. Again, download the app. You can take it with you on your phone. Uh, We both like it on the iPad, but iPhone, whatever Android phone you may have for some reason, um, it's Montana Sports is one word. Download it in there. We will have the updated scoreboard page. Whatever you're after, whether it's high school, whether it's Frontier, or whether it's Big Sky Conference, those will be updated throughout those games. And then the postseason tab on high school is going to have all those updated volleyball pairings and all that. You should it's have, the nonsensical time of year. You should absolutely live on that postseason tab because that has um, the pairings for all the football classifications, the state soccer. It has PDFs of the district volleyball brackets, so you can print those out and actually uh, see how, get a visual of how these things look. But we have the pairings, which we will update on that postseason page as well. So you should absolutely uh, just live there on your app 
uh, Montana Sports One Word on both Android and iOS devices. And, of course, the MontanaSports.com podcast. We will talk about this stuff uh, again next week. We try to record every Wednesday, but in the playoffs we might amp that up and record a little more frequently for you. So make sure you download on Apple Podcasts so you're getting that uh, straight to your phones as soon as we hit publish on this thing. And we will be chatting with some of the coaches, I think diving in a little bit more in, uh, into some of the matchups. I don't have to anchor the news anymore, so that's going to help our cause with a little more free time. So uh, stay tuned. Like you said, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, or right there on SoundCloud. And the Facebook Lives, every Wednesday, 7 o'clock, we're answering your questions about whatever you want to bring to the table related to Montana athletics, high school football, volleyball, soccer. It doesn't soccer. even have to be Montana athletics. It doesn't have to. We know more about that than we do anything else. That's probably true. Anything else that we need to remind them? I don't think so. That should be uh, – and then Friday night at 10 o'clock – uh, there won't be as much to talk about, just Class AA and a few of those playoff games, but we'll still do it because it's kind of fun to give you the quick recap, and that's another spot that we can tease everything that's going and, on on Saturday. And on Friday, we will have the Class AA pairings, unofficial, of course, so Friday night we will announce those on the Facebook Live at 10 p.m., so make sure you tune into that. That was not quite as much of a question-answer session, but uh, we'll take any questions you guys might have then. And no, we don't know what Reese Phillips is up to. We have no idea, um, but we do know College of Idaho is your 2019 NAIA National Football Champions. He's Slim Kimmel. I'm Richie Melby. That's the latest episode of the MontanaSports.com podcast. Everybody have a great weekend, and good luck to your teams, except for yours.